Hello, you're listening to History and Hope, the history podcast from a Baptist perspective. I'm Mark West. And I'm Matthew Lyon. And today we're doing a bonus episode about... Bonus! Yeah, about whiteness. Um, that's just for traffic. We're just trying to generate traffic. Um, <laughs> we're just virtue signaling to get more people to watch our show and to like it. Last episode is Lord's Supper and no one cares about that. But if I mention whiteness, then people are going to listen to us. I think a better explanation would be it comes up a lot and we should be clear on what we're talking about. Because a lot of people mean a lot of different things when they talk about race and white and black and all those things. So it's a historical term. So I think when people hear, I think when you hear the term white, like Mark, you are a white man. The sort of the subtext is there's something wrong with you. Right. That's what white people hear. Like, I'm dis- I'm diminishing your reputation or it's discrediting kind of like, me. Yeah, we shouldn't listen to you because you're white. And white people generally hear that. Um and we need to get away from that because it's just a description. And then there's the uh white guilt. Like you called me a white man, therefore I'm you're trying to make me feel guilty that I'm white. And I'm sure some people do that. We are not trying to do that. Um, so it, it's this idea. There's only one race, right? Like we've heard that. There's only one race. Um, the human race. And that's the end of the podcast. That's all we need to say. <laughs> <laughs> so as uh, Jarvis Williams said, at Southern. Race, black, white, Asian, whatever, is a social reality but a biological falsehood. So biologically speaking, in other words, the way God created us, genetics, DNA, all those things, there's only one race. There's a human race. We're all descendants of the same two people. Therefore, we all are part of the same family in that sense. So that's the biological reality. So there's no difference biologically uh, between white people and black people. Like, there's no two races um, that, that was made up it's just totally made up. Uh, that means, and to be careful, we, there's no such thing as black feelings or black behavior. Behavior, there's human behavior, but there's no black behavior. There's no white behavior. And I had to think about this recently because it seems like white people act a certain way, right? You go to a cookout, go to a black cookout, go to a white cookout, people act differently. But the point is, anyone can act any way. There's no, there's no race that has behavior specific to them. So there's no such thing as, as white behavior. There's human behavior that white people tend to do more than other what we call races. But there's no, there's no biological difference. No one owns, no, no race owns a behavior or a feeling or an emotion. Uh, that's, that's just bad science and it's unbiblical. Uh, but in a social sense, there is more than one race primarily black and white in America. But I think the, the social construct was three races, Caucasian, Negroid, and I think Mongoloid. Those were made up, but just because they're made up doesn't mean they're not real in the social sense. Um, There's no biological difference between Canadians and Americans, but there's a social difference. Like there's a political difference. There's a national difference. 
So the race, race, three races or two races, biologically identical as humans, socially different. And so we can't talk about race and just dismiss it like, well, we're all one race. We need to stop talking about race. It's like, well, that'd be nice. We should have said that 500 years ago and then we wouldn't be where we are now. But we did say it and we made laws about it and then we made geographical boundaries about it. So now socially, there's uh, there's more than one race. So what are the races in America that have been created? Black, primarily, and white. Those were the original sort of two. So when you're called white, uh, the, the construct originally was based on skin color. So a white person has white skin and a black person has dark skin. Now it's a little arbitrary because of the, there's a spectrum there. And so then you had to start making up distinctions and laws had to be put in place. And then you had to do this and that, and all, you know, cause it's, it's made up. You have to do a bunch of stuff to distinguish how white is white, who is white. Literally in the 20th century, the Armenians were suing the government to be labeled as white. So like we have an Armenian lady in our church. She's not white like us, but she's would be, but she could also pass for a very light skinned, maybe a North African. So they had to come over and they had to go to the Supreme court to decide whether this entire ethnic group, Armenian, which race they were. Cause you couldn't tell by looking at them. And so they had to come up with all these rules. It, it's absurd because the formation of it was wrong. And so you have these absurd things. So, um, when I call you a white man and, and as I'm white too, that's referring to the color of our skin. Mostly we don't really have white skin. We have peach skin. Though some of us, myself is borderline white. <laughs> I was going to say some of us are more white than others. <laughs> um, though very, I, I guess our albino people white, they don't have any pigmentation. So maybe that would be, I don't really know. I think it's, irrelevant it's as much relevant as the shape of your ears or the color of your eyes uh, it's only been made relevant that's what we talk about creating the race so in one sense if if i say i'm a white man i just mean in america i'm in the category of a light-skinned person which had legal benefits in the past and social benefits and, and i think to the present and if you're um if you're black it means you have dark skin in the sense in, in a certain way a certain um category that people are put into that is different from whiteness okay so you're born with your skin color god gave you white skin what we call white skin we should not be ashamed we should not feel guilty for our white skin we should not uh be um held accountable for our white skin like none of those things and there's no white guilt that's wrong god gave you your skin color he wanted you to have pale skin he gave it to to me at least uh, and I don't feel bad about that. And I shouldn't feel bad about that. Just like someone who's got dark skin shouldn't feel bad. So white and black in the sense of descriptive terms are neutral. But in America, then they said, um, because of the color of your skin, because of your white skin, you now get put into a special category that has benefits. And because of the dark color, what we call black skin, which people were called black before, you know, hundreds of thousands of years. But because of your black skin, you get put to another category. And so from the very beginning, 1400s, 1500s, but especially the 1600s in America, whiteness is an ideology. 
It's a way of thinking. It's a system of beliefs. It has, n it's not directly connected to the color of your skin. It's more about how you treat people and how you view people with skin color. So whiteness says whiteness was invented by Europeans in the 14th, 15th, 16th, 1700s with one goal in mind to give ourselves benefits at the expense of other people. And so the easiest way to distinguish between the people who had the benefits and who they were taking them from was skin color because everybody in Europe had light skin. So they were turned white. Everyone in Africa had dark skin. So they were black. And so whiteness says white people are better and more deserving of freedom, of money, of power than black people. That's whiteness. And then whiteness says, let's build a system, let's build a country, let's build laws where white people are protected at the expense of black people. And this is not social justice. This is not critical race theory. This is not Marxism. This is bare facts history. Go back in history, in the law books of America, it says, if you are white, you can't be a slave. If you are black, you can be a slave for your entire life. And if you have kids, your kids will be slaves. Those are laws. You get slavery. So whiteness says white people can't be slaves, but black people can. That's what whiteness did. It was a power system. So the ideology of whiteness is not directly connected to the skin color. And this is important because it means just because you can say things that are in accord with whiteness and not be white. You can, you can say white people are better and not be white. It's terrible. It's a sort of a self-hate and it's, it's another sign of the fall and the corruptness of, um, of whiteness to make people think that. So just because you're white doesn't mean you buy into whiteness. And just because you're black doesn't mean you're against whiteness because whiteness is a belief system. And many people hold belief systems that are harmful to themselves. And so when we talk about whiteness and sometimes shorthand white, you know, the white system or white culture or white politics, it's referring to a system of beliefs that Candace Owens can promote. Candace Owens is promoting whiteness. She's anti-black. Well, how can she be anti-black? She's black. I know it's terrible. But she's saying things that are anti-black. And who came up with the category of anti-black? The people who created whiteness. And what was the point? Well, if you want more stuff than another race, you have to tell people that you're better than that race so that you can justify those things. So whiteness was created in America, was developed in America. Laws were created, social constructs, churches were created. And whiteness says white people are of more value. Therefore, they should have more power. That's whiteness. So you can identify that. And it doesn't matter who's saying it. It's still the same ideology. And it's an evil ideology. And it's a destructive ideology and it's an oppressive ideology. And it didn't show up in 1925 when culture, when Marxism, when cultural Marxism showed up. It didn't show up in the 1970s when critical race theory showed up. We don't need modern tools to identify whiteness. Frederick Douglass talked about it. Go back even further. Someone like George Lyle talked about it. Uh, Francis Grimke in the 20s talked about it. Martin Luther King Jr. talked about it in the 50s, before critical race theory existed. 
they're talking about this idea of whiteness. And you can see, like Dr. King, when he's marching down the road, who's with him? White people. Now, whose side are they on? They're on the side of justice, the side of black people. They're fighting whiteness. And so they are anti-whiteness. It doesn't mean anti-white. Uh, and that's a, that's a hard distinction that a lot of us, because in America, our white identity is assumed. No one ever says, I was walking down the street and, and I met this white guy. White people don't say that. What do they say? I was walking down the street and I met this guy. And everyone just knows he's probably white. Majority culture. You would say, I was walking down the street and I met this black guy. Though most white people would lower their voice when they say that. They'll say, I met this black guy. You know, <laughs> for some reason, because they feel like it's racist to notice someone's skin color. People have said that explicitly to noticing skin color is racist. That's true. Actually. Yeah. On Facebook recently, if, if you wonder why my Facebook is so bad, it's because I haven't been doing the podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> the podcast is supposed to be a vent for the face. So I wouldn't post so much on Facebook. We stopped doing the Facebook. And so now I'm, I'm posting, I'm talking more on there. Um, I, I haven't done the podcast. So I'm talking more on Facebook. Uh, yeah. So just, just, I think a couple of days ago, he said, the, the guy said, you're racist for noticing black people. Which is absurd because I've found that every black person knows they're black. Remember what John Warren said? I said, you're black. He said, all my life. Yep. <laughs> no black person pretends they don't know that they're black. So we shouldn't either. There's nothing wrong with being black. There's nothing wrong with being white. We shouldn't be afraid to say those things that, that buys into this notion that skin color doesn't that god didn't make us in a way that should be noticed god made us white god made us black or brown or, or peach or whatever want to distinguish it so there's nothing wrong with that and so so then people are going to say well if it's if whiteness is wrong because it was created to power isn't blackness wrong too right like what's good for the goose good for the gander whiteness is wrong then blackness is wrong the problem with that is they weren't created equal so we can't treat them equally Whiteness was created to dominate black people. Whiteness was created to create a social class, a caste system. You know how we always used to think that India was bad because it had caste systems? Well, America had its own caste system. And if you're white, you can never be a slave. And if you're black, you can never really be equal to a white person. So that's a caste you can't ever break free from. So whiteness was designed to keep black people in a lower caste. That's what Jim Crow was about. Why separate water fountains? Most of these white people who had the money were hiring black women to raise their own kids and cook for them and nurse them. Why couldn't they share a water fountain? Because there had to be some distinction to show everybody that white people were better than black people. And that's why there was so much anger and violence uh, to get rid of those things. So whiteness was created to keep blackness down. Blackness was created by black people to survive in America. So when they were brought to America, so when everyone came to America, they gave up something. They gave up their ethnicity. White people came to America as Irish, but there was no box for Irish. Well, there may have actually been a box for Irish, but they didn't want to check it. So what they check, they check white. So they're not Polish anymore. They're white. They're not Armenian anymore. They're white. Because whiteness gave power, right? You didn't want to be the other category, which is black, because you'd be a slave. Black people, on the other hand, they were their, their ethnicity was stripped from them intentionally they were their families were split up 
They were put in with different people of different tribes, so they couldn't communicate with each other. Because, you know, Africa's not a country. Africa's a continent with a lot of countries in it, with, a, with thousands of languages. So just because you're from Africa doesn't mean you speak one language. So all these Africans from different tribes, uh, mostly, I think, West African, were mixed up so they couldn't speak to each other, so they couldn't organize. Okay, so they're ethnic, so they couldn't be um, Zambian anymore. They couldn't be Zulu. Or, I'm not honestly really familiar with with the tribes. They couldn't be those things anymore. They, they their history was removed. Their culture was removed. So, whiteness is creating a power culture based on white. Black people are then stripped of their ethnicity. So, what do they do? They create a sort of a new ethnicity, African American, which was built to survive white power. So the reason that slavery lasted so long was because of psychological control. Everything in America was designed to teach the black man that he wasn't as good as the white man. So what blackness became was a resistance to whiteness. So we can't speak of whiteness and blackness in the same way because they didn't develop in the same way. So when we speak of whiteness, we speak of a power dynamic to control black people, which we should dismantle. When we speak of blackness, we think of a, a grassroots movement to stay strong and to survive. So that's good. So whiteness is bad. Blackness is good. And it's because of why they create it. It's not because of skin color. Um, it's not because of ethnicity. It's because in America, we were forced to create new ethnicities. White people were forced by, by greed in order to be wealthy and, and accepted. We chose white and said, so I'm Scottish, but I, my family chose white instead and rejected Scotland. Black people, it was stripped from them. They were forced to create a new ethnicity. So every Christian should be working to dismantle anything that is oppressive, treats people as anything other than equal and made in God's image and beautiful whiteness was designed to do the opposite of those things it was designed to oppress it was designed to teach people they were less it was designed so we should dismantle that we should celebrate anything that teaches people to flourish teaches them that they're worth something teaches them to love one another to support one another build community and for the most part blackness has done that the black community the black culture the african-american culture was sort of forged in fire to preserve community. Whiteness did everything it could to break up black families. It sold off child members. It, it sold off, it split up husbands and wives. It, um, it, it regularly raped black women to dismantle things. I just read an article recently where a light skinned black woman says, I'm the Confederate monument. My light skin is a, is a Confederate monument to my ancestors who were raped by white people. All of these things working to break up the family. Same with segregation. Um, it was designed to just destroy things. So the fact that the black family survived at all is a miracle. Everything was designed to, to destroy the black family, and yet here it is. It's still here. Christians should celebrate that. The survival of God's plan, which is a family, despite all the oppression. And as a white person, I feel zero guilt over some crazy southern confederate um, pastor who owns slaves. I don't feel any guilt. I, to be honest, I would have done the same thing back then if I were, if I lived back then, but that's because I'm a sinner. So I don't feel guilt for what my ancestors did. 
whiteness is not about guilt unless you still side with them. And that's what we're really talking about. It's not that anyone today owns slaves. It's that today people are still defending slavery. It's not that anybody today was part of segregation. It's that people are still perpetuating segregation. So don't feel guilty for what your parents did. But if you're still promoting the whiteness, the ideology, you should feel guilt for that. And as a Christian, we should repent and fight against it. So um, I think it's a, a red herring or a straw man or some sort of um, escape move to say it's all about white guilt. It's not. It's about confronting evil ideologies and systems that evil people created and irresponsible and apathetic people perpetuate. To this day in churches and in, in independent fundamental Baptist churches, because I just listened to a broadcast about it, there's still white pastors promoting segregation and racism. Where they learn that from? They learned it from the white culture, the white history, the whiteness. We as Christians need to dismantle anything that separates people, anything that demeans people, and we should celebrate things that unite people and, and elevate people to what God created them as so that we could recognize that we're all made in God's image. If you want to circle back to when you said that if you were there back then, because you kind of said that quickly. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, because I think it's the idea that we think growing up in the current culture and how we've been shaped, if we were back then, we would make different choices. But if you look at like, we all think, you know, if we were back with Martin Luther King, we'd march with him. Yeah. But if you look (laughs) at his popularity numbers among white evangelicals, that probably isn't true. Right. Yeah, I think I read that in like 1964, the majority of white people liked King. But by 1967, he was the most hated man in America. White people did not like him. And he talks about that. He says, when it was just about voting rights, white people were okay with that. But when it started talking about economics and jobs, white people said, no, now we have to give up. So any northern white person is against southern laws of segregation but when you start telling northern white people they need to give up some of their jobs and economic power then king stopped being popular so yeah so the notion that we would be the five white people that marched with king is ridiculous to think that in like 1850 in the south there wasn't a single white person opposing slavery not a single one we wouldn't have opposed slavery if we lived then so by 1850 there wasn't by the 30s, there was. I mean, there's no record of it. Uh, that, I, no that's what I would clarify. <laughs> Whenever you're talking in absolutes, there's no yeah, yeah. record. Uh, historically speaking, there's not a single record of anyone uh, opposing it anywhere in the South. Uh, so you're right. There could have been someone. They just, but they would have been an anomaly with no record. Right. The record of everyone was that they supported. Yeah, so what? Over, at what the very least, the overwhelming think, majority. Yeah. What would make us think that we would be the exception? Are we the exception right now? Not really. Yeah, and I mean, I think the the takeaway from that is that we are shaped by our culture mm-hmm. to reject what is clearly biblical. Yeah. And we need yeah. to be careful that we don't think that that's just a problem of the past. Right. I mean, Jesus warned us that the world, the cosmos, the system of the world would threaten us, would we must be on guard, not just for people, individual people, but the world as a system. 
and our American history is a perfect example of entire regions of America. Churches, pastors, Christians buying into a system called slavery or segregation. As far as we can tell, every single one of them. That should be a warning to us that if they could fall, we could fall. And not a single one of them that we can tell knew that it was happening. They weren't choosing evil intentionally. They thought they were choosing good. And if they can be so deceived as to think that slavery is good, what's to keep us? They were Baptist. They had the Bible. They had the Constitution. They had everything we have. And yet they chose slavery and segregation. So it is a warning. And it's a, it's a call to be humble. And if we are against those things, it's simply because God put us in a different time period. And we've been graciously removed from that. So we shouldn't feel guilt for the past. And we shouldn't feel pride for being against the past. Neither of those were our doing. We should just take responsibility for what we can take responsibility for and work. We all have the duty to work to love our neighbor. And if our neighbor is being oppressed, we have a duty under God to stand up and help that person. And if that person is being oppressed because of things that we had no, no part in, it's still our responsibility to help them. And we can't say, well, it wasn't my fault they got there. Good Samaritan. It wasn't the Good Samaritan's fault that that man got beaten. But the Good Samaritan had a duty to help him. And he did. And so whether you own slaves, your grandparents own slaves, doesn't matter. Segregation wasn't that long ago. I was just reading today, the Nuremberg trials, they just arrested like a 93-year-old man who was a Nazi. And some guy commented, he said, Everyone's okay with that. Why don't we arrest some of these 90-year-old or 60-year-old men who were doing atrocities in the South? Yeah. They're in, they're in Jim Crow. That's never happened. You're telling me that a single person who, who lynched anybody is still alive? Like, no, that's not true. <laughs> yeah, there's no accountability for them. They're still living peacefully in America, raising kids with no accountability. And so we have a responsibility as Christians to love justice, to love truth, to love fairness, to love people, and pursue those things. And that means dismantling whiteness and loving our white skin or Scottish skin, preferably. I think the problem is going to be, even with the like 15 minutes of exclamation, explanation yeah. of the difference between white and whiteness, that when you yeah. say dismantling whiteness, whiteness is bad, blackness is good. So. But I guess that you hear what you want to hear. I'm learning that. Yeah. You can't you, change people's you mind. The, the, did you listen to the latest Nine Marks podcast episode? Which What is it? Let me look it up real quick. I, want, I mean, I remember Pastor's talk. It was Pastors and Social Media. No, I haven't listened to that one. <laughs> Lehman, Lehman was basically like, you can never change anybody's mind on, on Twitter, at least. <laughs> He's Mark right. Dever was like, I don't know, I think so. He's like, okay, maybe theoretically you can, but practically. Dever is always like, well, there's always exceptions. Dever's like, you. like, well, it's always an exception. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. There's always one exception. Yeah, that's true. And that's what podcasts can do. I think podcasts can change people's minds because it engages people in a mm -hmm. disarming way. I feel like Facebook is so politically charged intentionally. I mean, Facebook's driving it. They're intentionally making yeah. it politically charged. I'm getting to the point where I don't know if morally I can be on Facebook. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know if I can like 
morally support Facebook as a platform soon. Oh, right, because it's so twisted. Yeah, so like they have a financial interest and have demonstrated that they're willing to act on that financial interest to sow disunity. Right. So the algorithms, which are out of your control, you still participate in them, are perpetuating falsehood and evil things. Correct. Every time you contribute to that, they use your right. Even even if I don't contribute it, because I was thinking like I was like, well, I don't really post. I just go right. on and read what my you know my right. relatives have post or post pictures of Theo. But I was like, but even if I don't contribute to it, I am still giving them money through ad revenue. Right, because you see the ads and they see which you does see the contribute ads. to it. Even in, even indirectly. So I haven't. I, obviously, I still have a Facebook page, so I haven't come to that conclusion sure. yet. But I am yeah. close. Well, it, it's the it's sort of the principle of complicity, right? Where you may not be actively participating, but you're not opposing it, right? So you're complicit in it. Well, that's one of those things where Facebook is so ubiquitous that you don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Not use Facebook. What? I can't right. imagine life without Facebook. Right. I mean, uh, that's like Facebook. As long as I post the right thing. I mean, we did that with Theo. If you notice, we don't post very many pictures, mm-hmm. but we have a shared photo album online mm-hmm. outside of Facebook that we share with right. friends and family. Well, if you are complicit, then I'm actually feeding it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I don't I'm know. Not complicit. I'm like contrib- contributing to the machine. Yeah. So I, I've I've been mulling I, I've been mulling the same thing over with Amazon, honestly. Yeah. Well, couldn't you say though that that would be like a Daniel situation? Like Daniel, the, the Babylonian government was evil, and yes. yet he was in it. It's it's I think it, it's not a black and white situation, obviously. Right. So it, if your be- if your involvement in it is making it better, right? Daniel was exiled and was working for the peace of the city, so he was working within a corrupt system to, make it to do less his corrupt. part to bring peace to the city. Which I'm not sure you can make that argument about Facebook. <laughs> like, you could. I don't. I mean, am I doing? Am I fighting the corruption of Facebook? I don't know how I am. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, you, everybody would have to make that decision for themselves. Right. So, like, I, I think you'd see, have to say, like, are you contributing to the piece like Daniel was positively? Right. Well, also, but it, we have to be careful that it's not a piece meaning no strife, but meaning no, 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 positive I mean, like peace. A, right. Like shalom. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Harmony. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. How, how would you how would you fight? the? How would you rage against the machine? I don't know. I've, I've only just now started thinking about whether or not I want keep, to keep Facebook. So keep your ethical conundrums to yourself <laughs> until you come up with a solution. For gotcha. It. Now I've got to stay up tonight wondering if all the Facebook posts that I'm going to post later are going to be a problem. Uh, not that I'm not going to do it, just that I'm not going to be, I'm going to have some guilt about it. This is how you keep from becoming a cog in the machine. Like the past where you're like, how could they be a part of that? Because I just went on like normal. They never asked hard questions and examined things that no one's talking about. So it's, yeah. Facebook, at, at least at the top, is evil because yeah. it's perpetuating evil things. So we have to wrestle with that to some degree. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at historyandhope.com or message us on Twitter at History and Hope. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any podcast app of your choice. 